ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 141 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Atnip. Joining me in the studio, Andrew Rosenthal. And via telephone, while on vacation, James Cook. Gracious enough to give us your presence even while you're well away from the office. Thanks for joining us, James. Well, you know, it's just a little bit of dedication. That's, is that what they call it? Do you know who isn't dedicated is the Detroit well, Lions? It's crazy. It's craziness is what it is. Really? But, you know. But I want to talk yeah. about this because I know you spent your vacation watching the Detroit Lions yesterday. And I have to bring yeah. it up. Pardon it. Yeah. yeah. Did you turn it off before they lost, or did you just watch them lose? You mean the Bears won? I watched, like, the first three quarters, and then uh, and then we went to a different place, and I uh, saw, like, the very end of the game, swift game-winning touchdown. So you didn't watch the com- entire meltdown? Uh, no, not completely. Typical Lions when I got fashion. To- I guess you could yeah. say I guess you could say it's typical Bears fashion too because of the way the first half went. The, the Lions well, have and lost. The Bears played like, and the Bears played like garbage and still won a game. I know. That's typical Lions fashion. The Lions have lost. Yeah. I think it was fourteen blown fourteen fourth quarter leads of like ten points or more in the last like three years. That's literally yeah. They don't Lions know how to play with. A, they don't know how to play with a lead. They take their foot off the gas and they change their game plan and they stop doing the things that got them a lead. They punted it's the ball away. Marauding. They punted the ball away after throwing a screen pass on third down and three. They threw a lateral screen pass, and then they punt the ball away with three minutes left to give the Bears the ball with so much time and three timeouts. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then you throw the ball to DeAndre Swift when you have Adrian Peterson, who you just signed, who, especially if you think about the first game of the year, Adrian Peterson has like the second most rushing yards in opening games in his in in NFL history. He's fantastic mm-hmm. in game ones, and they're, what, three yards from the end zone, and they throw it to the rookie? Why the heck aren't you giving that ball to Adrian Peterson? Well, I guess you see you can get another play. That's the only logical explanation to that. If he misses the ball, which he does. And they miss the other play anyways. And they miss the next play anyways. Yeah. It's Adrian Peterson. You give him the three yards. He would have gotten three yards. I think so. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the, what you find him for. That's right. what the question was asked to Matt Patricia after the game. Is there something in your coaching that you feel like you don't have it in the fourth quarter? I mean, for years and years and years, you've been in these situations and you failed. And he's like, nah, man, like I had the biggest play in NFL history in the fourth quarter. I, I'm totally fine. I, I'm a totally good coach. I, I don't think you could say that after. I know it's the first game of the season, but I don't think he that's a, I don't think that was the right answer. Are you talking about the play in the Super Bowl against Seattle? Yeah, he. That's, he, that's not even his play. Malcolm Butler jumped a route. It's not even Matt Patricia's play. If he takes, if he, if he's taking credit for that play, that's that's Seattle's fault once again. Maybe maybe that's where he learned to throw on the goal line and lose games. Maybe that's where he learned it. Yeah, hey, we throw on the goal line of a game, we're gonna lose. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, why didn't they? Why did why did Seattle not give Marshawn Lynch that football in that situation? I think the same thing. It was Marshawn Lynch, Adrian Peterson. You don't throw the football to these other people who it doesn't matter. You're on the goal line for the game. You give it to these guys. That's why you pay them. Isn't Marshawn Lynch still because he didn't get the ball on the end there? Wouldn't you be? That's the difference between the Super Bowl and not. Wouldn't you be mad? Yeah. I mean, I hate Matt Stafford, and he did throw an interception, but it wasn't his fault. They got tipped up, and that just happens. But it was all part of the debacle that we saw yesterday i'm not surprised the lions lost i i we we regularly laughed about laugh about the lions on this podcast so that's why i had to bring it up after one week of nfl football it was just absolutely gorgeous now before we keep keep talking too much (laughs) i want to talk about football we have actual high school football this week guys we have a lot to talk about on this episode we're going to talk about the patriot game traverse city central versus traverse city west we're talk a little bit about opening week of football and what it's going to look like how we're going to kind of expect roll out this 2020 football season we're also going to get into Traverse City West and Traverse City Central Soccer. That, that is a matchup this week, so it's kind of a rivalry week here in Traverse City. We're going to get through a couple little points about volleyball and golf, and then we will dive into our interview this week for 141 with Traverse City West volleyball player Becky Lane. She joined us after practice on Monday to chat about the season and how the Titans are looking so far. They are ranked 10th in the state. Or make sure to stick around for that interview with Becky. After that, we're getting into our Chatter That Matters section and talk about masks in sports and during competition, whether they are safe or not. We did a lot of research on this over the last week or so. We've talked to a lot of people. A lot of people. people. So Probably like several hours on the phone Friday. <laughs> so we will uh, make sure we get into that when Chatter That Matters. We're going to dive into the Hall of Fame and add one more member into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. And then we're going to get into our last segment of the day. 
and update you on our Record Eagle Fantasy Leagues with all of you lovely listeners and readers and viewers out there. So let's go ahead and get this episode started. It is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. I got to start with the biggest the biggest thing of the week, and it's crazy. It is week one, technically. Should be week four, but it did not change the Patriot game, Well, which is no longer the Patriot game. We'll start there. For this year, it is the Celebrate Service game. It's not going to be called the Patriot game because there's not going to be any pregame festivities with veterans and first responders and police officers and everything actually at the game. What they're going to do is they're going to have video tributes and the, the fans and everything are going to be limited. So it's just going to be Celebrate Service this year. The Patriot game will be back next year, but they're not going to keep the same brand when they can't offer the same type of experience. But nonetheless, Traverse City Central versus Traverse City West this weekend. James, I know that we usually have some time to scope these teams out. We usually have some time to really understand what we're about to get with this game, but this is just, it's going to be a really interesting Friday night at Thoroughby Field when we see these teams for the first time face off against one another. What do you think? It's going to be weird, man. I mean, the band's not even going to be playing there. They're, the band's going to be pre-recording a routine that they're going to play at the game, I believe. I mean, you're going to be there covering it on Friday, and you're just going to have to kind of try to relay people how weird and how different this game is than normal to people. But yeah, I mean, we're kind of going into this game blind. I mean, we know who some of the guys are coming back and everything. I mean, you know, that Christian Blavin and Josh Burnham, of course, the big stars, but uh, you know, it's just going to be a matter of who can get those other guys up to speed that are coming in and have their first game of the year be the national championship of Traverse City. Yeah, having the first game of the year be the you know what most consider to be the biggest game of the year. Uh, you know, we look at these schedules, there's only going to be six games in in the schedule this year and the majority of it is just conference play. Traverse City Central plays West, then they play Petoskey, then they play Cadillac, then they play Alpena, then they play Gaylord, and then their only non-conference game is at the end of the season when they play Dakota. For Traverse City West, on the other hand, they play everybody in conference and they play Petoskey twice, but one of those games will not count as a conference game. So we do, we jump right into the Big North Conference season. The first game means more than it ever has before. Andrew, when you get into that, you don't have that time to prepare. That There's a lot of times you get a couple games to kind of work out those kinks. You know, even if it's a real sloppy first one, you're in a rivalry game and you're right into league play. How do you think that affects the play in the first first week? I don't think they're really thinking about that, to be honest with you. I think they just, like we've been hearing from kids and like we've been hearing from coaches, we just want to get out in the field. We just want to play the game we love. You obviously are going to give it a little more because it is that rivalry, because it is the Patriot game. That's something I'm new to the town and I guess won't experience this week, Jake, because I'm going to be in the office taking calls. But like I said, I, I think that it's this Friday is the first time a football game is going to be an organized football game is going to be played in the state of Michigan across whatever 600 high schools. And I feel like every kid's got the same thought on their minds. I just want to hit, I just want to score a touchdown. I just want to hear my name across the, in the, in the PA system. Yes. You're going to have a couple bumps. Yes. It's, it's going to be a little weird to just, you're, you're going to have that first game glitches that everyone has, but I think both the coaches and the players, are just going to be more happy that they're out there rather than how they're thinking about how they do. But, but more or less, I mean, I, I disagree because this is Central West. They want to win this game, and that's. I think more of my question is, do you think that the added parts of it being a rivalry and it being conference play will make those mistakes exacerbated? You're going to hear that from a coaches saying that, but this is these guys aren't in the NFL. You're not playing to win a Super Bowl. You're not playing for your career. You're playing because of, uh, of the love of the game, and that's how high school sports have always been. So I'm gonna take. I'm still gonna take the standard uh, that I took earlier. That I think you're gonna be playing for fun more than you're gonna be playing for the win. James, obviously, we got a couple new a couple new guys in the fold here. Uh, we saw Andy Soma take off after last year. Peyton Smith stepped in for Traverse City Central and did a great job at quarterback after transferring from Ithaca the year before. But now we have two new quarterbacks after basically, you know, having the same couple of quarterbacks for the last four years in Traverse City. Mason Morrison for Traverse City West. He got some time with the Titans last year when Andy Soma was dealing with injuries. We saw him with a little bit of game action, but it's not full varsity time. Uh, he's he's going to be starting his first full varsity season. You know, after losing Peyton Smith and Tobin Schwanicki over the last couple of years for Traverse City Central, there's been a lot of questions there at the quarterback game. 
Do you think with the you know first-time quarterbacks, regardless if they're upperclassmen or underclassmen, this game is going to be lend more to the ground uh, with the tailbacks that we know each one of these teams have just probably because, once again, they only have a few days in pads before they're able to play this football game? Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, I mean, I think you'll see a lot of these first-week games be uh, – I don't want to say I don't want to use the word generic or vanilla or anything like that, but uh, you know you don't know how much of the actual game plan these coaches have been able to fully install. So I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of the basic plays, and then maybe just a couple of plays here and there. You know, the, some hopefully splash plays and, and stuff like that. And you know they're going to have to get these kids to execute these plays and see who can do it better right out of the gate. We saw Mason Morrison do some work with his arm last year, was able to do some work with his feet, but I know Greg Vaughn is going to keep that Traverse City West offense pretty much intact, and they're going to be using, you know, Christian Boivin if he's able to play. Uh, Michael Skirmerhorn, which he is a big kid. He plays linebacker as well, but you know he's going to be taking snaps at tailback this year. Those two guys alone are going to be big playmakers for Traverse City West. Um, and, they're, you know, they cycle in another couple of guys there in the backfield. So they're, gonna, they're always going to do it by committee to start off the day. If, if this game lends itself to the ground, we know that Traverse City West kind of has that system in place. Traverse City Central has been running a spread offense the last few years. I know Coach Eric Triggers is not going to change that very much. His playbook is the way that it is. I know he will adapt to his players. But uh, like you said, I think we're going to see some splash plays from both Traverse City Central and Traverse City West. I think they're going to be going for the throat and going to want for this win. This game means a lot more for the Big North Conference than you think because there's only five conference games this year, and Traverse City Central, Traverse City West are usually in the driver's seat in this conference. Whoever wins this game, it makes it very, very – it makes it much easier to win this out and just go straight through the Big North Conference And if you start off with a win here over your rival. James, we got to talk about mm-hmm. favorites here. Last year, Traverse City Central surprised everybody. Shut out Traverse City West for the first time, 32-0. to West offense sputtered. They had big plays left and right for Traverse City Central. What's your prediction for this year's game? On the Central side, um, I know they have some, several kids that are still kind of vying for the starting quarterback job, but I, I expect Josh Burnham to be that guy. He's too good of an athlete to not get the ball in his hands all the time as much as you can in offense. So, And they used him last season in the Wildcat you know, from time to time, so he's got that experience. He worked as the number two quarterback last season. Um, throughout the season, so he's he's gotten the reps consistently. I, I would expect him to be there, and that kind of a physical runner at quarterback would be a, a, a pretty good addition to Central's offense. It'd be interesting to see how much they let him throw the ball and how much of an arm he has. But uh, you know, I, that's a a nice kind of thing, a nice base, I guess, for your offense to have an athlete like that at quarterback. You know, you know, I think if he doesn't get the starting nod, he's still going to get the ball like 95% of the time. Yeah, he'll be the running back. Yeah, I, I mean, we saw him actually play a lot at running back last year, or at least that wing back. I mean, we know Coach Eric Sugars has been running that spread offense for some time, and you mentioned it. He, he does like to put some of his best athletes at quarterback. We saw Tobin Schwanicke for years, and even though Andrew wasn't around, Tobin had what, probably – what, 85% of Traverse City Central scrimmage yards? Well, Jake, just, I was alive. But, but, I mean, but still, just a couple of years, over the last couple of years, I mean, you didn't see it happen or how Sugar's offense works, but it, that's exactly how it's happened. So if, if Josh Burnham ends up with the ball in his hands as the quarterback, like you said, James, I'm actually just really interested to see what type of, you know, football IQ he would have from behind on offense. I mean, I've seen him play so well on defense, and you know that he can read that, but it's a whole different game. Uh, when you're playing quarterback, I mean, we brought up Mason Morrison a little bit. He got to play in the Patriot game last year. Got a little bit of varsity time. Coach Greg Vaughn definitely trusts his arm, has put some faith in that before. It is You know, Trevor City West doesn't have 15, 18 passes a game. Even if they're down by a bunch, they still stick tried and true most of the time. But as you said earlier, James, I do think that they're going to have to go for some splash plays for either one of these teams. If they can get it downfield, you know Traverse City Central has speedy receivers. And But the thing for this, I do think that both of these teams have big backs, power backs, and just because it is number one or week number one, technically week four, but week number one, they're going to keep the ball on the ground for the most part. I know Traverse City West usually does that anyways, but they're going to keep the ball on the ground for the most part just to kind of like get this season underway. Yeah, if you go into the if you, Central has to go into throwing mode. I mean, aside from Trey Searles, they have most of their receiving core back. 
I mean, Searles is obviously was their number one target last year and, and a big producer there, but they've got their next three guys after him all back in that receiving core. So they've got some guys who can produce there too if they got somebody that can get him the ball. So you know what time it is, fellas. We have to do our, well, celebrate service game predictions. We do it every year. Last year, Traverse City Central pulled that upset. Of 32-0. to I don't know if it was necessarily an upset, but I know it upset a lot of Traverse City West fans. (laughs) They shut out West for the first time in history. We did not expect that last year. I'm pretty sure I called 27-23 Traverse City West last year. So that was way off. James, we're going to let you go first. What's your prediction for this year's Celebrate Service game? I'm predicting it won't be a shutout again, for sure. Um, Either way. I mean, both teams, I think, are going to get on the board. They have, both teams have good defenses, obviously, but both teams have good offenses and and being that this is week one and practice has been sporadic, you know, there's going to be some mistakes made here or there on defense and on offense. So, you know, there's going to be points put on the board. It's just a matter of who can kind of minimize those mistakes early on and, and take advantage of those. But uh, I I know you guys are going to go the central way, so I'm going to take West just so that uh, at least one of us can maybe be right no matter what happens. I, I feel as if it might come across for, and it seems like it has over the last couple of years, like power versus speed. You know, Traverse City West got some, like, Michael Skirmerhorn in the backfield. He's a big kid. Christian Boivin in the backfield, another really big kid. I mean, these are guys who are going to lower their shoulder, run through the second line, but Central's offense has just been popping under Eric Sugars for the last few years. And like you said, it's, it's week one. Traverse City West defense has had some issues in week one. I, they had issues in week one against Midland last year. Just weren't able to kind of get their offense rolling. Weren't kind of able to, you know, pull that game out. It was, you know, weather delayed last year to, to start the season. But regardless, I have a feeling like Traverse City Central might be able to use their speed and agility to kind of hit those hit those holes, cut those angles. You know, if, if Traverse City West isn't quite able to get to the ball, and I'm going to give it to Traverse City Central. Let's go with – I'm going to go with 32-27. to 27. No, 32-21, Traverse City Central. Andrew, what's your prediction? I'm saying 32-7 Central. Okay. I mean, I mean they, they have Josh Burnham and the other team doesn't. I guess it's that simple. All righty. So we got 2-1. to one. James, do you have a score prediction? Um, I'll, I'll take TC West 24 to seven with a, a big special teams play kind of making a, a, a difference in there for, for the Titans. I mean, we know that kind of for them, the over under every week is uh, like a one, on a, on a blocked kick of some sort. Yeah. Maybe make that big momentum swing and uh, kind of take over the game there. If you hop mm-hmm. on the first half, they might be able to run away with it. That celebrate service game is this Friday, 7 o'clock. There are no spectators, outside spectators allowed, except for designated tickets, uh, media, and field personnel. So do not show up at Thoroughby Field looking to see that game. You will be turned away. I know that stinks, but we'll bring all the coverage we can to you on recordeagle.com and on TCRE Sports. There will be live blogs and columns and everything that we can do. So make sure you check us out later in the week. we got to finish up the pulse and talk about a couple more things here, gentlemen. It is the day of days, another rivalry, Traverse City Central versus Traverse City West Soccer. Due to some technical difficulties, we had to re-record uh, this little part of the podcast. So we are not going to dive as deep as we did last night just because this is only going to come out only a couple hours before the game. But we want to make sure that we bring this up and kind of chat about it. Traverse City Central, Traverse City West have started hot. This season, we've seen Traverse City Central pile on the goals with Everest Noise and John Cromendike and and Spike Peterson. They have been able to keep teams on their heels and keep them in the offensive zone or, well, other teams in the defensive zone, rather, and score goal on goal. And, I mean, we've talked about Traverse City West and the teams that they have played. If you look at their record, they still only have that one loss on the schedule. And Colin Blackport, Tony Gallego, some of those guys, have just matured so well over the last couple of years. We had Colin Blackport on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he told us they had big aspirations. I mean, this is where it starts for the Big North Conference. James, how have you kind of seen both of these teams set up for this battle this week? I mean, Traverse City Central fell to them both times this year, but I have a feeling this might be more of a shootout tonight. Yeah, I think both teams definitely have the offensive capability to put up multiple goals on each other. Um, 
I, I just I like West's uh, schedule, I guess. I think a schedule has prepared them more for this kind of game. Um, Central has stayed around in the area and, and played teams. Um, they've done very well, and they've won everything that's been put on their plate in, full, in, in front of them, so you can't ask any more than that. But I think West is just, you know, they've brought more downstate, uh, you know, solid programs in there. Um, and Gavin Michael has really turned into the – the, the finisher at forward that gives West even one more guy on top of Colin Blackport and Tony Gallegos and Josh Hershenberger. So they've got a lot of scoring weapons. Um, Gavin Michael's been that just kind of that, that guy that has a nose for getting the ball in, in, in the net. And uh, just like his, you know, like his two older brothers who are both playing at Western Michigan university right now. And I mean, if you talk about the defense of the back end for West, we know that, you know, experience gold pending always does wonders uh, definitely, you go back and look at Blade Kelpflesh, it's going to be tough to get some past him. So I definitely think that West kind of still has the upper hand. But we will see here later tonight. One more soccer team I wanted to bring up was Elk Rapids. Elk Rapids has been ripping through some people. They won three games last weekend. Mason Travis and Preston Ball have just been pouring on the points for the Elks. Mason Travis had four goals, three assists on Saturday. Preston Ball had five goals and four assists on Saturday. They played like three or four games, but still, they are 9-3-1 now on the season, and they're setting up to play actually a couple of these bigger schools here shortly. So we're going to see more from Elk Rapids. I just wanted to make sure I gave them a little bit of a shout-out. One more little segment to talk about. We're going to do a little bit of volleyball before we get into our interview with Traverse City West's Becky Lane. The Big North Conference is starting to shape up. There were a couple games in. There's been two or three matches for each one of these teams. We've seen a couple of them pull ahead especially with the Traverse City West Titans now being ranked number 10 in the state in Division One, We got TC West and Cadillac kind of poking their heads out of the Big North Conference as the leaders. But Cadillac goes to play Traverse City Central on Wednesday this week, and then Traverse City West and Traverse City Cent- or Traverse City West and Cadillac face off Tuesday of next week. So the next couple of days for these teams are really going to show us who might be in the driver's seat for this conference, James? We know what you, you saw Central and West play each other a couple of weeks ago, but we know what Cadillac's capable of. How do you see this shake it out over the next seven or eight days? Um, I mean, you know, West took care of things against Central. Central's Central's got some nice talent. I mean, Emma Turnquist is one of the one of the better hitters around here. But they've around her, they're just kind of a young team, and they're going to get continue to get better as the season goes on because of that. Um, but I think right now they're maybe just not not at a level where they can where they can take Cadillac to five games or anything. Um, so I I see Cadillac winning that one, and and then setting up the big match between them and TC West kind of for control of the Big North Conference. Um, you know Cadillac is loaded. Uh, you know that record that they've put up, and they've been bringing up all kinds of established programs from downstate. Um, you know, the, uh, the only thing is, is this is going to be only, I think like their second road game of the season out of, they played what, 23 matches. Mm-hmm. And I think their only other road matches, they played Petoskey on the road once. Um, so, and road matches this year could be even weirder than normal because, you know, you're not quite sure what the other teams, you know, the other schools COVID policy is because they kind of vary from school to school. And, you know, you maybe you get there and you've, find out that they got some different rule that somebody else does, and then you have to adjust at the last minute. But I don't see that being uh, anything that really narrows the gap there, though, enough. Yeah, I mean, so. Cadillac, you mentioned 23 games in. They're 20-3. and three. They dropped one to Lowell this past weekend, but we know Lowell is state-ranked. And Cadillac has just been, you know, absolutely destroying other teams. You'll hear a little bit more about uh, one of their players later in the Hall of Fame, but... You mentioned next week with them setting up against West. We're going to hear about from Becky Lane about that, but this is going to be really interesting to see if Traverse City West has been able to use the experience that they've gotten because they're playing some downstate teams too and uh, have actually taken a little bit more time to uh, step their game up. When you, when you hear from Becky, you'll uh, understand what I am talking about, but they – are ready for next Tuesday. They want Cadillac. They want the Big North Conference. And they are a experienced, loaded team. There's a bunch of juniors on that team who have been on the team for three years now. They have seniors, juniors, uh, no sophomores, no freshmen. 
We'll see how they match up against Cadillac. It'll be the first time they see them. Cadillac already beat Petoskey, as you mentioned. Petoskey has a pretty good team, too. They could be in the hunt for the Big North, but this is the one that sets it up. If, if Traverse City West can beat Cadillac, they basically are in the running for the Big North Conference this season. So let's go ahead and hear from Becky Lane from Traverse City West. The junior outside hitter joined us on Monday to chat about their season and the prospects for the Titans this year. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that interview now. The Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome Becky Lane, the Traverse City West junior volleyball player who has been leading the Titans to a hot start this season. Thank you so much for joining us, Becky. Hello. So we have a lot of fun to have with Becky today. We're bringing back our Freaky Fast Five just to get to know our athletes a little bit. So five rapid-fire questions, which is a nod over to our sponsor at Jimmy John's. Andrew, you had a couple funny ones. You go ahead and lead off the Freaky Fast Five this time. How many volleyballs could fit in the gym at Traverse City, like the whole entire gym? Well, the volleyball gym is pretty big. I would say about 10,000. 10,000. That's a lot of volleyballs. Could you, could you imagine, like, diving into a sea of 10,000 volleyballs? <laughs> I would probably get lost in there forever. How many times does it take you to listen to a song that you love until you hate it? Until I hate it? Yeah. Well, I do listen to the same 20 songs over and over again. So it would take some time, actually, maybe uh, about a month. <laughs> I say, how long is that cycle of twenty songs? Is it like a three-month cycle, and then you find twenty new songs to cycle in, or is it like one kind of <laughs> just disappears, and then the next one makes it into the fold? Yeah, the one disappears and probably takes over, and soon, like three months later, I have a new playlist. <laughs> All right, favorite childhood TV show, cartoon, or anything like that? Favorite TV show? Um, I do like Friends. And I like New Girl. Um, I have been watching the Avatar, which, I mean, over quarantine, I had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know everybody did once again on Netflix. Yeah. What is the age cutoff to where you consider a, a dog no longer a puppy? <laughs> well, I have three cats. So <laughs> and I've seen people call, like, big dogs puppies, so I have no idea. <laughs> Because I have a five-year-old dog, and every single time I'm walking down Granby Park Parkway, people are like, oh, look at the puppy when she's literally five. <laughs> so, so you're obviously... Yeah, I don't know. You're, you're a cat person then? I, I guess so. I mean, I would like to get a dog when I'm older, but so far, I guess I am a cat person. Okay, okay. Awesome, awesome. Well, that was the Freaky Fast Five. A nod to our sponsors at Jimmy John's. That was a lot of fun. And now now we got to get into the real talk. We got to get into the season for the Traverse City West Titans. You guys have started out hot. You guys have started Big North Conference play. Just let's start off with how you feel about this season coming in. You guys have, you know, really made a mark. You guys swept your rivals last week. What is the emotion? What has the season been like for the Titans so far? It has been very crazy. At first, we didn't know if we had a season or not. And so we only have nine people on the team just to keep, like, numbers low. And then once we started practicing a lot and we started really working on our game work, we as, like, a team just won a lot of games. And it's just been so great to be with them. And now I'm very excited for the season. I'm sure that it felt like it has gone quick in the last couple of weeks. You guys have already gotten close to 20 games in in just the first, you know, about two, two and a half weeks. How has the grind been since, you know, after being <laughs> off of school and off of sports for so long? Well, the grind has been real. <laughs> I go to online school for the entire day, then I go to practice at the end of the day. And I think it's a nice break from school because I'm just sitting on a computer all day at my desk. And it's just a nice relief. How much did you uh, miss being able to, you know, be with your team and actually be able to spend time playing the sport that you love, especially over quarantine? And, you know, for a while over the summertime, not even anybody up here was allowed to be inside. So I, I've talked to a lot of coaches who had their, their teams practicing outdoors or doing things like that. How did you guys have to adapt in order to progress this summer? Well, we started off with a very small number that was being able to be in the gym, but that started in like late July. And we missed a lot of, we usually play almost every day a week, either in the gym or at beach volleyball. 
down in the downtown court. So, and this changed to only going Tuesdays with a small group. And so it was a very different shift and change. And we would usually go to team camps at CMU and play scrimmages against local teams. So it did feel really weird this summer not to have that much volleyball. How much has that kind of messed with your preparation for the season? I know I, it's usually a pretty good routine. And like you said, even before you get into conference play, you're usually playing a lot of different schools to get that experience before you really start seeing the people around here. But that didn't get to happen this year. How has it kind of changed the development or you know the progress of the team since you haven't had those opportunities? So, like, the coach, like, when we got in and we were being able to play, and so our coach – tried to prep us as much as we could just in a small amount of time to start scrimmaging these local teams and we were a little nervous but all of us are very close and we were able to bond and like work together as a team on the court and condition a lot it seems like you guys are pretty young I know last year uh you were on that team as a sophomore correct Yes. Yeah, and you guys were you guys were really young last year as well. But just moving up through the ranks, what would you guys, How would you kind of describe the future for your guys' team, both this season and beyond? Well, this season we don't have any sophomores or freshmen because when I was a freshman, two and my other friends that were also freshmen made the varsity team, and that created a very young team for that year. But now we only have seniors and juniors, okay. which is kind of crazy. <laughs> But there is about six juniors on the team, I believe. And so when we graduate, I'm not very sure what's going to happen because we as a uh, grade fill a lot of, of the positions. How do you feel about having, you know, the juniors and seniors on the team this year? Obviously, uh, with that experience, you guys having a couple years of varsity experience as juniors, as you mentioned, do you think that's kind of helped you guys to this hot start and regardless of the circumstances you have been under? Yes. I have gotten used to the skill level and how, like, the plays tend to play out, you know. As a freshman, I played the back row, and that was kind of crazy because I didn't know where, like, I couldn't handle the fastballs or read very well. But now I've gotten used to that a little bit more, and now I can jump higher <laughs> and hit around the block even better than I did as a freshman. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like you've been kind of helping lead the offense for the Titans. Uh, there's a couple of you girls who have been playing outside over there and, you know, really putting down some kills. How have you changed your game since you've made that switch up towards the front and, like you said, kind of get a little more pep in your step? Well, I become we have a team because we've been on varsity together for so long together. Um, we've become really close, and I know my friend, like the other outside, McKenna Ebling, she and I are really close, and we support each other and help each other grow. And the libero uh, alley, Joe McKenna, she always has helped me in places where, like, I should hit and, like, where the block is and how many people are blocking. So it's really dependent on my team, and we've grown together. Becky, what's it been like playing against all these different teams from downstate the first couple of weeks? I'm sure that you've hosted a lot of teams that you wouldn't have not, you wouldn't have usually played. At first, it was a little scary because – so far, we've only played up northern teams, and we didn't know if it was going to change in pace that much. But then it was cool because we could play at a higher level, and we could get our offense going. And we once we got our digs up, we were able to run a lot of things, and we didn't know that like it could be like work so well together. And it was super cool. Did it feel different being like one of the few teams in the state was actually playing sports? It did feel weird because one team we played, we found out that this is their first time playing in a gym before they were playing on beach volleyball courts. And so that was a little weird to think that, like, they could have been better, but since they haven't gotten in a gym yet, they were still figuring out some elements. What last week when you guys took out Central three to zero, obviously that sets the tone for your Big North Conference season and kind of uh, you know sets you guys up for a little bit more. They get to play Cadillac this week, who has been that other team in the Big North who has kind of been running around and, and beating up on people. How much have you looked at your chances in the Big North and uh, looking at Cadillac? I think you guys play them sometime next week. Yes, we play them next Tuesday. 
and we're a little nervous, but we are pretty, we feel pretty ready. And we wrote down all of our goals before the season. And one of our goals was winning the conference. And so we're going to, we're, we're going to work really hard for next week and be ready for that game. And, and, you know, after last year, I know that, you know, it seems like you guys kind of turned the tides on your rivals over Traverse City Central since last year. I know that they had, um, like Maggie McCrary there last year, who was a big difference maker, but it seems as if uh, you guys have kind of went up above them at the beginning of this year. How have you guys had to try to change that tide after the last couple of years uh, when you were on the team and, you, and you've kind of taken those lumps from Traverse City Central? Well, over the years, we've sort of gotten a hold of the game and like really worked on the skills, like closing the blocks and working our offense and hitting in smarter spaces. And so that has worked a lot against big teams like Central and uh, Grand Haven. I, I do want to ask, I know it's been, you know, a bit of a bit of a controversial topic over the last week or week and a half or so, but, you know, you guys are required to wear masks during competition and everything like that. How, how, how are you taking that? What, what are your feelings on actually having to wear a mask while you're competing? It's actually a lot harder than I thought it would be. It gets, I get, I start breathing heavily very fast. And so sometimes it's hard to get like, like like new oxygen. <laughs> and I know a couple of people on my team have asthma, so they've been taking it a little bit harder. But it has been a struggle. But our coach got us new masks, which is easier and comfortable. But I'd rather play with masks than not play at all. Yeah. So it's been okay. Yeah. It's as, as I mean, it's better than it would have been in the spring. Yeah. Now what? Um, when when we talk about. Traverse City West as a whole, you know, your guys' athletic culture has taken a big uh, big step up, at least in the time that I've been here, and it seems like you guys just keep on getting better and getting better. How have you guys uh, kind of melded into that culture at Traverse City West, and how have you kind of grown in that as yourself, Becky? As myself, I feel like I've grown a lot. Like, this is, like, my team, like, my some of my best friends, and it's just so amazing that we got to grow together and have this, share this experience. It's even on and off the court when we go on the car rides and we have a lot of team sleepovers and I've grown as a person because of understanding teamwork and how living through experiences is the best. Now you said they're all your best friends. Who's got the, who, who's, who do you have the best nickname for on the team or who has the best nickname on the team? We call Allie Joe, Joe. <laughs> so and my, that's also my dad's name, which is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> We call Sarah a baller a lot because she just is. <laughs> and one of my old coaches called Elena Lane Dog. Lane Dog. Lane Dog. Like Snoop Dogg. Lane. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised yeah. they didn't do that with – does anybody come up with creative names with your last name just being Lane? Or does anybody ever tell you you got to stay in your lane or anything like that? <laughs> um, a couple times, but there were mostly – other people, <laughs> which was a little weird, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> now, just, you know, the rest of the season, you talked about you want to win the conference. What else have you girls talked about uh, to look out of this season? I know I know things are different. You're not, you don't really have fans, but you get to play. What, what, are your guys's, what, what are you guys looking to take away from the 2020 season? Well, when we state our goals, you know, we should try to shoot big or else. Like, maybe we just don't want to win conference. Maybe we didn't want to win states. And which would be crazy, but if maybe if we worked hard enough, we could do it. And even crazier, we could. What if we went to nationals? That would be crazy. <laughs> but we try to state our goals, saying like, keep working well as a team and not having consistent ups and downs, just staying up on the top and doing our best all the time. Not letting one loss kind of get to you and then ride into another one. Yes, yes, that's exactly. Okay, awesome. Becky, I think that is just about everything. We really appreciate you coming on and spending a little bit of time with us here at the Get Around. We really wish you and the Titans the best of luck uh, in the BNC and in the season going forward. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us here. Thank you so much for having me. Another huge thank you to Becky Lane from Traverse City West for joining us here at the Get Around. We know I'm excited about that Cadillac Traverse City West volleyball match next week, and we're excited to see what the Titans are able to do. She's even talking about possibly trying to make it down to states. Only 
no one knows what can happen, especially in a year like 2020. We've yeah, seen a lot of crazier things. I, I think I mentioned it in the podcast last week. A 1A team beat the second best 4A team in Kansas without a coach. Yeah, and uh, we, we got to thank James. <laughs> we got to thank James for stopping in on his vacation as well. So he uh, took a little bit of time out of being down at his cabin to join us back here on the Get Around because he had to talk about the Patriot game and some of this rivalry stuff. So without any further ado, let's get into our Chatter That Matters section where Andrew and I are going to talk about the mask mandate in sports. Executive Order 180 was, well, yeah, I was going to say, was, was sent out that clarified the mask order that was originally sent out that said all athletes have to wear masks Facial during coverings. competition. Facial coverings. And 180 come back and says basically volleyball, soccer, football specifically kind of leaves everything else ambiguous. But we're here. And we're dealing with it now. We have athletes all across the board with football players wearing gaiters or masks or whatever they can kind of figure out. We've seen volleyball players wearing, you know, just regular medical masks or those gaiters as well. We've talked to Becky Lane who said, you know, the Traverse City West Titans have bought masks for the entire team now to kind of have them all look the same, be comfortable, have the proper type of mask that they've all kind of either agreed on or that they've figured out have been the best you know, a couple other schools that, that did it beforehand, you know, Leland and North Bay Volleyball. Leland's, you know, team came to Coach Lori Glass and said, hey, we're wearing masks the whole time. And they were actually kind of surprised that more people weren't. When they were hosting people, there would be teams showing up. and Sutton's Bay Football was one of the first two. Yeah, I mean, we, I remember I that story. There. Yeah, they, I mean, you were like, wow, during football practice, no matter what they were doing, everybody was completely masked up. Coach Garakopi was yelling at kids, put your mask up, put your mask up. And they were only playing like eight-man football, but still, like, he could tell like right away. And they actually had a compliant helmet with uh, the Executive Order 180 guidelines. I think I posted a picture of that helmet in the paper of what it would look like, and it really wasn't a big deal to me, to be honest with you, but there were schools before this already complying with what the facial covering guidelines would be in Executive Order 180. Yeah, and, and a lot of them, a lot of the kids that I talked to say, you know, you get used to the mask, or, you know, it it stinks. You heard Becky, you know, in the, in the interview, the anecdotal evidence is, you know, it's all over the place, you know, and especially when there's breathing problems with kids with asthma, or even just the the type of physical exertion you know i talked to you know a cross country runner who said that if he had to wear a mask during his cross country races or a face covering he would just quit running organized cross country and go run his you know 3 miles or 5 miles a day out in the wilderness up here in Traverse City where and just, he doesn't have to wear a mask you know and just yeah exactly and kind of just do it but you know it's it's kind of a there's a huge spectrum from athletes coaches administrators uh, parents especially. I mean, we see a lot of parents, especially ones with, with younger children, you know, very, very, you know, up in arms and upset about this, very worried about the health and safety of their kids, which, you know, I understand. I don't have any kids, so, like, I can't, like, you know, I can't say that, but I, I, I we work with these high school kids all the time, and it's not like I, we don't care for their health and safety as well. I see, you know, so much, and just the the, the difference in the balance between – is it safe to expose to coronavirus or is it safer to wear a facial covering during, you know, high anaerobic exercise? It's like such a thin line. Yeah. It's so hard to kind of, you know. And I think we've heard that from people at the national level, too, that there is like this line that you have to draw between what being what keeping yourself safe from coronavirus and not like puking on the court, you know. Yeah. And they I mean, depending on. You know, the certain situation, there's always going to be exceptions, you know, and it, it is kind of crappy that the, you know, the executive order is kind of not allowed for many exceptions at all. Uh, it's been it's been kind of tough going for a lot of people to get those medical exceptions to say, hey, we do not give exceptions for these masks. You're, everybody has to wear it. And basically, if you if you can't wear a mask, you shouldn't be playing. Yeah. We've, and we've heard that from like top state doctors on live television and. I guess to some who have asthma or, or comorbidities, they may feel like it, they're excluded from sports, and that's not okay. That kind of feels weird, you know, like you're not allowed to be playing the sport you did for seven years because of this law that you can't really – no one really has an explanation for. Yeah, and, you know, one, a couple of the parents brought up and, and, you know, made sense, but until until it didn't, they go, well, if, you know, if nobody should wear masks and if you, you know, if you're scared of the coronavirus, you shouldn't play sports. 
and that's what that's the same thing. It's just not it's not equitable. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that's not that's not fair to hamper another kid because say their their dad is on dialysis or their mom has chemotherapy or they live with their 85 year old grandma because she you know she had to move in with them to finish up you know her life. Like how is that fair to them as well? So that's where it's a thin line and it's tough. Uh, we we talk a lot about the safety of it. And, I mean, we talk to doctors, and that's the one thing that, you know, it doesn't convince me that it's 100% okay, but at the very least, I, I feel it's all right for these athletes to be wearing these masks. One is because from the anecdotal evidence, while it may be a bit tougher to start or it may be an annoyance or it may be uncomfortable, everybody who's even said it's uncomfortable is still saying, if this is what we have to do to play, I'm going to wear the mask. A lot of parents are like, kids don't know better. They just want to play and they don't know the long-term health effects. I'm sitting here like, you don't know the long, no one knows the long-term health effects of COVID-19, right? I'm not sure that there are really bad long-term health effects to competing in a mask for a month or two. Obviously, there's not a lot of studies for either one of these things, but I think erring on the side of caution with a mask is probably better than, you know, just running willy-nilly. We're, we're hearing reports I mean, even so much as a Traverse City, you know, West student athlete could be get had could have gotten coronavirus. This is serious. You need to be wearing a mask all the time, and especially during sports. They, it's football. I, I had a conversation. You know, a lot of times football soccer players they've worn the the full ski mask or like you know the the Under Armour mask over their face in the cold weather up here in Traverse City. Yeah. It's not that abnormal to have a facial covering. Obviously, like you said. It's a facial covering. It doesn't have to be a mask. It doesn't have to be a surgical mask. They do not want you wearing N95 masks or honest, painter's masks. And to be honest with you, the MHSAA guidelines for football made it seem like you didn't have to wear a mask. You just had to wear, like, the splat, the sh- splash shields out. And, 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 and there's, there's parents that are asking, like, why is volleyball and soccer, which are lower-risk sports, have to have more, like, restrictive masks? Like, why do they have to wear masks, like, masks in football doesn't I don't think already wearing a helmet. I, I don't think it's really that case I think it's more or less that people are just trying to find loopholes <laughs> and every every little hole and every little thing they can poke into it they're going to which kind of annoys me because it's like oh yeah just because this and this aren't you know these don't look the same you know doesn't mean that they're not going to function the same I'm not saying that I, mean, I, I, I we, we don't well, know the, the the efficacy of the facial guards or the spit guards on the on the face masks of helmets. They're just kind of coming out, and they've they've said we like them, but we still kind of want we still kind of need you to wear a face. And those mask. things are t- well, and Scott's even said that that they can't even prove that the thing they make is going to stop coronavirus, but they cost twenty five bucks to make. You know? And it is a way for parents to protest. It's a way for kids to hopefully. I mean, I I, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with it if it, if it works. You know, if they can have clear facial covering, the, the big thing, you, I, it's hard. If you have a full face mask or a full bubble on a football helmet, it, it's going to get foggy. It's going to get messed up. We've taught, I mean, there are some parents who are worried about, you know, concerns with injuries over vision. You know, say you're playing hockey and a gator slips up over your eyes or your mask gets all crooked or, I don't know, maybe it flips up and pokes you in the eye or something. Or, or, or you have a gator on and somebody might grab you around the neck. I, there, I'm sure there are other safety concerns. I just am still sitting around like I don't know if those safety concerns outweigh coronavirus. Jake, to back up a little bit, let's be a little practical here. The governor issued this order to tell people to wear masks during football games. How and and I think when Nenefit initially came out, people are like, "How are we possibly going to make this work? How are we possibly going to order?" Are, are, how are possibly 620 te- football teams in the state of Michigan all going to have to find a way to put masks on their football helmets within eight days of their first game? I think that's what the governor I, – I can't speak for the governor and their intentions, but it's possible that in Lansing they wanted to find a way and block the football season without actually saying you can't play football. They, you want to say, like, how is it – you could say, like, you know, you can play, we can play football, but we want to – put every 620 team in a flux before the season happens because football coaches told me that that they were like oh great now we got to spend three thousand dollars in money we didn't really fundraise just to be able to play our first game well and, and i get that and but, drive to get stuff because you can't get shipped because everyone else in the state wants it too i don't know that anybody would 
anybody, and I, I, I have the faith in no matter who is the leader, no matter who at any level, that some diabolical thing like that isn't what's going on. Hey, I'm just just so I can give this to you, so we can take it away. Like, if anything, I see that maybe as an opportunity to give schools an easy out, right? Even because if you think about it, there still was somewhere between forty and sixty percent. The, the vote changed just a little bit over the course of 10 days, but when the MHSAA did an original survey for their schools if they were comfortable playing football, it was right in that half-and-half half area that said half of us do not want to do this, and the other half said we'll do it. And that's why they originally canceled football, was because the majority of their member schools were like, I don't think so. So when they come back and go full bore, I feel that does put a lot of pressure on some schools. There's a chance then, hey – the mask, you can opt out, no big deal. You can't, you know, you don't want to buy all the stuff, you can opt out, no big deal. I don't think we, once again, we didn't see much of that almost anywhere in the state. But I see I see it more as, well, if you want it, you got you to gotta make it happen. And I feel like that's what a lot of coaches, a lot of players, a lot of, you know, administrators have realized over the last couple of months. Everything's changing. It's fluid. We've heard that from a bunch of people. Just I've heard a lot of parents, oh, why'd we go backwards? Or coaches, why we weren't wearing masks in Region 5 forever? Why'd we go backwards? The situation has been fluid since day one. We knew there was going to be changes. And, and I think there's going to be changes. Yeah, and yeah, that's the other, I think we asked it, but I mean, I, I, I don't think the mask, the whole mask thing is going to last the entire season. It's you possible know? it does. I mean, possible other states jump on board and say, hey, this is a good idea. What's going on in Michigan? Let's implement it for ourselves. Yeah. If Maybe maybe we're setting the standard for the rest of the nation. Maybe the rest of the nation. I mean, there's 49 states that don't have this rule and executive order. I think Maryland is the only one that does. And maybe they some come on board and say, oh, we didn't think about this. And we're going to make it more uh, even across the nation. But no, I think the one of the last things I want to say before we jump into our next section is that a lot of people asked, "Where is the science to back this? What was the what was the reason why you did this? What prompted you to thought? Did you have in your mind that says we're going to have masks in the sports? Because we've seen masks in gyms in several other states. Um, that wasn't that didn't surprise me too much. But masks in sports when they're actively exercising, the only one who can really answer that question is the governor." It's her executive order. It's not an MHSAA rule. It's not an MAHA rule. It's not an AYSO rule. It's not a Michigan... There's no, like... It's not an NFHS rule. It's a Governor Gretchen Whitmer executive order. The only one you can really ask some... I, I, I hate to bring politics into sports, but this is really what it is going on right now. In the Supreme Court case over Whitmer's... Um, over the 1945 uh, Executive Powers of the Governor Act... There was a justice who asked the defense or the prosecuting attorney a really interesting question. It says, how do you deem, because they're suing over essential health services, she asked her, how do you deem a health service essential? And then she says, we don't have a definition of that. The governor has a definition of that because it's her executive order. At the end of the day, these are the questions you should be directing us to. It's Lansing. It's why you're seeing so many people protest. It's why you're seeing so many people considering legal action, political action in government. Because that's what it is. It's it's gover- It's a government action. It's not like it's not a sports action. That's going to do it for the Chatter That Matters. That segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. So you guys know what that means. We move into the Get Around Hall of Fame where we put in one new athlete. The most exclusive club in northern Michigan. James has left us. So it's just two of us this week. So we're just going to nominate one person each. I'm going to go ahead and go first. I'm going to go with Cadillac Volleyball's Renee Bryans. In that tournament we talked about earlier this weekend, she had 151 assists as her setter. But as a setter, also had 31 kills, 46 digs, and 14 aces. So she was all over the place for Cadillac. Obviously one of the big pieces of that team, uh, helped leading them to 20-3. and three. So, Andrew, who do you have? I got Henry Plumstead of Glen Lake. He had five goals and two assists and a win against Kingsley. That's 12 points for those of you who aren't familiar with soccer terminology. We've been saying his name a lot over the last couple weeks. I feel like this is the week he's finally going to get it, Jake. 
Uh, assuming you're voting for yours, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to vote for your candidate, too. Especially we put Everest Noise from Traverse City Central in last week with five goals in a game. He had five goals and two assists, and that was a 13-0 win over Kingsley. So they really piled it on, and that was all in the first half. So, oh. you know, he was really, um, really going at it there. So congratulations, Henry, I mean, for when being. You, when you defeat a team that bad or, <laughs> like, that much. Congratulations, Henry, for being the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame. You are now in the club. That means we have one segment left, Andrew, and we're not doing a trifecta today because we're we missing have, a guy. We don't have a trifecta. So what we're going to do is we are going to do a fantasy football update. While week one hasn't been finished yet, we do have two leagues with our listeners, with our readers, and most of the matchups look like they are about done and about over with. Well, I, I got stuff to say about this. I, I, I'm just, I just want, I want to run through a couple things. Uh, just, just to update our listeners, I know we said we would update you on the podcast. I'm gonna lose week one, and it's because my, I, I, in, in the first league, in Record Eagle Fantasy Football League one. So if you're a member of that, you'll know this. But I, I played all the wrong people, even the people who I said on our Fantasy Football Live, hey, you should pick these people up as sleepers and play them. I picked them up as sleepers, but I didn't play them, so that didn't work out too well. But it actually looks. Yeah, same here on that one. No, I, I was gonna say it actually. I, I should have started Samuel Watkins and didn't. It actually looks like you're going to be the only one of me, you, and James to win in Fantasy Football League That's 1 uh, from the Record Eagle. I don't know, and it actually looks me. like my team is going to score the absolute worst in the league for Week 1 in the Record Eagle 1. James is still in a tight game. He's, he's, he's still projected to lose by 20, though. Mm-hmm. You are only projected to win by 6. But I'm up 16 or 12 points right yeah, now. So but he's got Saquon to play, so I mean. Exactly. It's going to be tough. Regardless, I have a feeling like that one isn't going to go well for any of us in week number one. We're probably going to have to, for the Fantasy Football League one, I feel like week one is going to go to our audible viewers, our listeners. Yeah, that was the draft at 9 o'clock, uh, and uh, we were kind of tired at that point. Now, on the other hand, in the second league, uh, I mean, James and I faced off. I wish James was here. So I could just have the bragging rights over him, but I kicked his butt in Fantasy Football League 2. He's already done playing, and I already have like 10 or 12 more points in him, and I have a couple more people to play. So, stinks for you, James. Dude, and- that was the league that I drafted Devontae Adams in uh, with like, I think I had, I was like, I had a good draft position, maybe like 8 out of 12, or no, 8 out of 10, and I scored the second most points in the league, and I'm going to lose. Yeah, because the guy who you're playing just—he just had everyone. Snapped. He had everyone. Like he had Clyde, he had Josh Jacobs, and Russell Wilson. Yeah, Eckler didn't give me anything. Mm-hmm. And he had Adam Thalen, Sammy Watkins. Everybody went up, and he had zero had points Crow- from his defense. I had like two of the best offensive guys in the league. I had Crowder started, Devontae Adams started, Kyler Murray. He was a top five quarterback this week. Either way, and I'm, and I'm gonna lose. So if you might go zero and two. Uh, in the two leagues, I I already have oh, a win. Two. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna split. Yeah, you might go all in too. If he he has Saquon to play, and who do you have to play left? Who do I have to play left? Oh, let's take a look. Melvin Gordon. I mean, if if they six if, points. If the Broncos use him like the Chargers did as just a goal line running back, then I'll be in good shape. If I can get him to score twenty two touchdowns, fourteen points right there, I think I'll be in good shape. Only twelve, but no, they count six. Not well, seven. he'll get the yardage too. I need 22 points for this to be a win. That's a lot. It's not, though, in PPR leagues. That's a lot. But it seems as if there's been a couple other. I I know know our uh, athletic director, Mika Gallegos, over at Traverse City uh, Christian. He's actually in one of the tightest games of the week. The difference on the projected points is only a half a point on that game. And basically, it's Saquon Barkley versus Juju Smith-Suchner. And Evan Ingram tonight. So that, that that game tonight, it's always fun for Monday Night Football. Obviously, we're going to run into these snafus. Um, so we're not going to be doing this every week. We're going to update you on a cu- every couple weeks just to kind of let you know where the league standings are yeah, and how if everything's you're going. Because if you're listening at this point, you can't join the leagues. Yeah, yeah. But we're just going to update you here and there. Just wanted to let you guys know uh, we're having fun playing with everybody who listens, anybody who reads. You know, follow along if you'd like. But other than that... I think we're almost about done here, Andrew. This has been a great episode, 141. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to like, retweet, share, comment, subscribe, whatever it may take to find us here at the Get Around. Before we get out of here, got one last thing to do. Got to make sure that we get the people fed. 
we are going to give out two free subs to Balua's Rob Bennett. Thank you so much for liking us on Facebook, interacting with last week's podcast with Brett Peterson from Kingsley. Make sure you do the same, and we'll get some free subs for you. Thank you so much for listening to episode 141 of the Get Round, and we'll catch you next week for episode 142.